but only because when it comes to you and me, I truly, and I mean this sincerely, I truly have nothing better to do, and I despise my job. Hello and welcome, welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen, and it's a podcast where we talk about movies. Specifically, a movie that at least one of us has never seen before. Uh, This is episode number 25. I am your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. Joining me this week is Christina. Hello. Hi. Uh, Also joining us is Charlie. Hello. Hello. And Keith. Hello. Hey. Uh, So the movie that we're talking about this week is The Trust, starring Nicolas Cage and Elijah Wood. And um, I have never seen this movie before. Had any of you seen this movie before? I had not seen this movie before. This one was new to me. None of us have seen it. I think that's a first. I think 25 episodes in, this is the first time nobody has seen the movie. And not only have we not seen it, I'm pretty sure none of us had heard of it before this month. So obviously, so if you're just joining us for the first time, we are celebrating Nicolas Cage month in August. And uh, this has been the fifth Nicolas Cage film that we did. When I started researching movies for this month, this showed up as something that was streaming on Netflix and it looked intriguing with Nicolas Cage, but also Elijah Wood. Um, and I thought, let's go for it. So I had never heard of it before. Uh, I had obviously hadn't seen it. Had any, Charlie, had you ever even heard of this movie before I mentioned it for the show? Uh, no, I don't think I have. Okay. Um, Christina, had you, I can't say for certain. I, I, I think I may have saw a preview, but it was nothing that really intrigued or pulled me in if I did. Okay, and Keith, I'm going to assume you didn't because you tend to avoid trailers and movie, you know, movie promotion. I do, I do. I it's a weird paranoia of mine. Yeah. No, that's fair because a lot of them are showing spoilers anymore. True. Uh, so this is a movie from 2016. Um, it's listed, at least according to Wikipedia, however much you want to you want to believe that, it's listed as an American black comedy film, uh, directed by Alex and Ben Brewer, and written by Ben Brewer and Adam Hirsch. It's really hard for me to call this a black comedy. I get what they were going for, but as a black comedy, I don't know how good this was. Um, so there wasn't enough comedy to label it as a comedy. Right. When I think black comedy, like my go-to, my kind of gold standard, at least in my viewing of black comedy, um, would be In Bruges is a great example of that, where it's it's going to be heavier subject matter, right? It's not going to be slapstick. It's not going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be kind of heavy. But there's going to be comedy elements in it. And In Bruges has a nice balance of those. It's really, really well written, very snappy dialogue, all of that. This felt like it wanted to be that. It just didn't quite have the writing to get there, um, which I do want to talk about a little bit more later. But I think to start, let's start with our cast, um, because it's usually where we start. This being Nicolas Cage month, the draw for this was Nicolas Cage stars in it. And it's really him and Elijah Wood, and that's it. There's very else. There's very little else in the movie. Um, if I remember right, watching the credits for the movie, several of the characters were just named like "cute girl." Yeah, and and you know that's indicative of a smaller production. Um, you tip, typically have a smaller cast because you don't want to be paying a bunch of actors for a bunch of different roles. You know, you don't have the the crew to really necessarily wrangle that many actors and call sheets and all that. So typically with your smaller independent films, something like this, you're going to have a smaller cast, but this was even like less than that. Cause you had, you had Nick Cage and Elijah Wood. Um, and then 
I recognized two other actors in this, and that was Ethan Suplee, who was one of the police officers. He was the one that kept doing I'll Flip You For It. Um, yeah. And you've seen him probably before in My Name is Earl. He was in, he had a small part in uh, Mall Rats. He's been in a lot of stuff. Butterfly Effect. That's another one, yep. Um, and I like him a lot. And, you know, he was being uh, an Ethan Supley type of character. Um, he wasn't that far. He was maybe, he tends to play kind of uh, dumb characters. Um, he just sort of gets typecast for that. But And this guy certainly wasn't that. But it was a very, uh, very kind of standard Ethan Supley fare. The only other actor I really recognized was um, the security guard that comes up to him partway through the movie. Um, I think his name was Cliff, was uh, an actor named Steve Williams, um, who I remember from seeing him in some episodes of The X-Files back in the day as Mr. X. And he also was in uh, what was one of the Friday the 13th, Jason Goes to Hell. He was Creighton Duke, which is a great character. If you, ever, if you haven't seen that movie, you should just for Creighton Duke. But really, what? You don't recognize Jerry Lewis? Well, okay, Jerry Lewis, but he's in the movie for like a minute. True. So it's like a cameo of cameos. This was, interestingly, his last film. Um, there mm-hmm. was one that came out after it, but this was the last one that he actually um, worked on. Uh, and that, I will say, that did surprise me when I saw it in the credits. Um, but at the same time, he was in it so little that it didn't leave a lasting impression, even if it was Jerry. But, um, oh, go ahead. I was going to say that the first thing that jumped out to me was the uh, the picture that Netflix had for it before I even started the movie. Um, the, the picture that Netflix had for it, Elijah Wood out crazy faces Nicolas Cage. Oh, you're talking about the poster, right? Where it's got, yeah, yeah it's got Nicolas yeah. Cage kind of walking towards, towards camera and Elijah Wood's got a gun, right? Yeah. Yeah, he definitely, that barely looks like Elijah Wood. That looks like an artist's rendition of somebody kind of told him who Elijah Wood looked like. Yeah, because <laughs> um, it's it's really a bad poster. Um, yeah, I I don't I don't know what they were doing with that. I mean, Nick Cage looks like Nick Cage, although I will say the poster version of him doesn't look quite as frumpy as he does in the movie. In the movie, he's got a little bit of a belly, right? You know, the he's always got the receding hairline, but he's got it's a little more unkempt. The mustache is glorious. Um, that mustache. I, I I have to say in this particular movie. Nick Cage is the coppest looking cop ever. He really, really is. Um, like from Minnesota. Yeah. Yep. He definitely steered right into that. But um, Elijah Wood looked like a 16 year old in this still. Like he is going to forever look young. I, I think until maybe he hits like 60 or 70 and then all the years are going to catch up with him at once is, is what I predict will happen. But he just, he always, he has that look about him where he always looks young, even though he's kind of sort of strung out in this and you know he's got a little bit of stubble going on he's still just he's very baby-faced but he was good in this i thought he was very Uh good in this i thought nicholas cage was really good in this he didn't overact neither one of them did i mean elijah wood i don't i don't think ever gets really said that he overacts a lot nicholas cage does but he didn't do that in this he was uh he was subdued but he was good like i he was believable to me um yeah i mean he's a cop that i wanted to punch in the face well, and that's just it. So as the movie went on, his character became less and less likable. You know, he started off, he just seemed like that kind of dopey, like, oh, I've been doing this forever, but I'm not really that good at my job type of thing. I have questions. Like, I honestly wonder if he if he was sort of um, not letting on to everything that he knew about this going uh, as he was going through it because he seemed to know an awful lot. And yeah. 
Like I think I think he was playing more dumb. Uh, that's something where the writing again kind of comes into it could have been um, could have been done a little bit better to sort of give those parts away without giving it away too early. And I think you could have well, had a more compelling uh, reveal of that information. It's like, I mean, they didn't even really go much into it, but he knew exactly where to drill so that he could see into the tumbler and see where to unlock it. Yeah. Well, many safes do have the tumblers open on the back side of the door for maintenance purposes and emergency situations. Yeah, but I think more so than like drilling in for the safe and all of that, I think him knowing what probably was in that safe and that too. You know, they they kind of they give you a glimpse of that like did he or did he not, you know, and he's trying to play it off like I'd have to be some kind of a genius to know that. But it's like up until that point, like really up until they open the vault, he does sort of come off as kind of a bumbling idiot. But then all of a sudden, like he knows exactly what's going on and he seemed to know more than he should have known given how they set him up and i think again that's just a little almost like they 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 to keep the movie to an hour and a half they cut out some things that would have given that information away it 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 all seemed way too confusing for me and and by i don't mean like oh i didn't understand what was going on i mean like some of it was like well why are they doing that like what are why are they doing what they're doing like I understand not explaining everything because you don't want the film to be an exposition. Mm-hmm. You do need to let the audience know what's going on in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I think there was there was there some, was a lot inferred in this movie. There was, and there was some points in the beginning of it too, especially when they were doing their recon and stuff, where it's almost as if they didn't they they didn't do a good job of explaining how much time was going by, like how much time did Elijah Wood spend tailing that guy and finding out that information? It seems like it was an afternoon, but he talks about how he went to work, you know, five days in a row and how much time did Nicholas Cage spend working in that hotel as a bellhop and as a waiter, you know, they don't really like the past. It, it felt like the whole thing took place over the course of a weekend, as opposed to probably what was supposed to feel like a few weeks leading up to, or it should have anyway. It's sort of, I had a note when I was watching it that it uh, reminded me a bit of kind of a, almost like somebody had seen Ocean's Eleven and wanted to make that movie, but didn't have a budget for all of that and wanted to make something more grounded. So they went for sort of, they wanted to make a heist movie, but they didn't quite know how to write a heist movie. I don't, it it was weird. It it did have some weird uh, kind of structural flaws for me in the film itself, in the story that they were trying to tell. I think once they got to, the actual, okay, we're here, we're going to start drilling. That part of it, I think, was was paced really well. I think the beginning of it, the pacing just felt a little bit off. we got to hurry. we got to get to the point. Yeah, and, and I get that. You know, as a filmmaker, you want to, you, you don't want too much of a lead up, but I think they could have, this could have benefited from a little more lead up and a little more background because how are these two friends outside of work? There's such an age difference, and one's the commanding officer, the other. You never saw them interact outside of work. Um, so I, it's weird because I enjoyed this movie. I had fun with it uh, for as dark as it was because it was pretty dark. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's it's got a terrible message too. Oh, it absolutely has <laughs> a terrible message. Yeah, I mean, the 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 message that I took away from the movie was entirely don't be a good guy, don't make the good choices. Because if Elijah's character hadn't made any of those good choices, everything would have gone off without a hitch and everybody would have survived. Right, well, exactly. Well, the two of them would have survived. Yeah. 
also, if Nick Cage's character would have just followed through with what he started with the one, then, you know, with the guy and done that with the girl, then it would have it wouldn't have allowed for Elijah Wood's character to make the choice that he made. Yeah, that that bit there. So up until Nick Cage goes to the gun buy with Bobo, I think was his name. Mm-hmm. Um, he has Bobo. come. Great name. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's he, at up until that point, he's come across as just sort of this down on his luck kind of put upon guy that's, you know, take it advantage of at work and, and this, that, and the other thing. And then all of a sudden in that moment, he had a hard turn where he became uh, like, I didn't like him after that because he just straight up murdered that dude out of nowhere. Uh, and I didn't see that coming. I'll be completely honest. I didn't see it coming. Maybe you guys did. I don't know, but that one kind of caught me off guard and it really made oh. me question like, okay, uh, who is this guy? Uh, yeah. Are we supposed to like him now? Cause he doesn't make any sense. Well, the two semi-automatics and one revolver seemed a little bit odd to me, seeing as how it was a two-guy job. So, so I knew that something was up, but it it didn't it didn't click right away. It was like, okay, there's something coming. What is it? And then it happened. I'm like, oh, okay. There's been some revolver tricks go on in this in this movie so far. That makes sense. Yeah, I just from a character standpoint, nothing leading up to that made you think that he would do that. Now, that's fine. You can get away with doing that to a character because in the end what they were trying to what they were I I feel they were trying to get to was he's not a good guy and he's not the protagonist of the story. It's Elijah Wood. But man, that just came out of nowhere. That one got to me and then later on they're in the, the bedroom and the, the guy spits on him and they cut away and you know what he did. I mean, you know, that's why he shot him, but you know, it just makes him less and less likable. And yet there's still <clears throat> moments where he's trying to be likable as he's trying to, you know, still be buddy, buddy with Elijah Wood as that whole thing's unraveling in front of him. And, and, um, Elijah Wood's character is just, he can't believe what's going on. He doesn't want to go through with it anymore. And it just, I don't know if uh, he definitely wasn't somebody that you were supposed to like, that's for sure. And, Elijah Wood's character isn't really that likable either, but at least he's just sort of like up until the events of this movie, he's more self-destructive than anything else, right? He's just sort of doesn't care about his job, doesn't really care about his life. And unfortunately, you're right, Charlie, it does send a terrible message because he has that glimmer of like, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to to do something good. And it ends up getting him killed. And who did she call? never really explain what's going on with his marriage in this movie either. You know, which you don't even really get any hint that it was a marriage until the scene where he's tapping on that post. Well, they show the wedding ring in one other moment when he's getting in the car with Ethan Suplee. And there's a shot that showed his wedding ring on his hand. And then later on, there was the shot of him tapping his ring on the on the um, fence post. And I, I didn't notice it with Ethan Suplee. Yeah, well, I did. I did notice it, and I actually that was one of my notes. Was like, oh, they're you know they're really pointing out this ring. They've done it twice now, but that was it. That was like the only allusions to his marriage were those two shots and a shot of him in his apartment where he like you can tell he never unpacked anything, and there it looked like there was another name on the. Um, uh, on the boxes, you know, like a like a couple. Uh-huh. That was it. I mean, that was all the allusions to his marriage. I kind of want to know more about that. Like, it's what like, happened there? You know, he, you can tell that he misses her because he stops and smells the the sweater, but then he still uses it to clean up cat do. Right. And you know, so he's he misses her, but he's mad at her. Did she die? Did she run off? 
Yeah, I'm I'm very curious about uh, that. So, you know, I want to know more about his backstory. I kind of want to know more about Nick Cage's backstory because obviously he's, you know, he's gone down a dark path um, to get where he is now. And you sort of get a little bit of that with, like, you know, the captain kind of pushing him to, like, I need you to go check on this thing for me, you know, and not really letting him do his job. So I get that. So you get a little glimpse in there. And then I'm really curious as to it felt like a little bit of hand-waving at the end there where the number that the girl calls ends up being, a, a you know, the people that come and rescue her and, and shoot Elijah Wood's character. Who were they? Are they are they federal agents? Is it is it some other kind of group? Like that that's not nothing. Who owned that vault? Well, yeah. I mean, we know it was some sort of uh, diamond exchange, you know, dealers of uh, something, but we don't know anything else about it. So, it, again, smaller budgeted movie, so I get why you don't dive into some of this stuff, but it's stuff that I want to know a little bit more about, given these characters. Right. I mean, I, like, as soon as she he let her make that call, I knew that everybody was going to end up dead. Uh-huh. It's like, I've seen enough movies to know what's going on here. Um, right. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, I mean, look, it's a small movie. You know, the mo- almost all of it takes place in that one uh, building, with the exception of uh, some things that, you know, some other shots. But it's basically all at night, all in that one building. It's small. For what it was, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I can see why it has. It, it had a Rotten Tomatoes of uh, somewhere in the 60%, I think. Um, IMDb score was like 5.5 to 6, so it was decent. You know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a wide release. Apparently, it was so it got released to Direct TV initially, and then a couple of weeks later got a, a theatrical release. I think so. Hmm. You know, its budget was about nine million dollars. Um, it definitely it didn't have a wide release, so it didn't make any money, um, which is unfortunate because I think given some of the other movies that we've covered on this show and also Nick Cage in general like this is one of his better uh one of the better movies certainly um a better film than The Wicker Man um I think it's a better film than Vampire's Kiss I don't know if it's more enjoyable I think Vampire's Kiss probably is one that I would go back and watch again before I watch this one again but I you know I do enjoy the the some of the goofier black comedy a- aspects of this and it's I just definitely got more thinking meat to it than Con Air. Yeah, it definitely does that too. I mean there there's something here. There's there's uh some some good structure, some good foundations here that they could have built on and made better. I think. Um, now this was a young. Uh, this was a directorial debut for uh, Alex and Ben Brewer. Um, they had done some music videos before this, but this was their first feature film. So it's interesting how good of a performance they got out of Nick Cage in this, given that they hadn't directed before. You know, because we've seen. Well, as you said, that that it was very well acted. It was badly written. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, we've seen in on this show just in this past month what Nick Cage is capable of doing with a seasoned veteran director in somebody like Scorsese and then we've seen what he does when he has somebody who is young and inexperienced but this was young and inexperienced but they got a great performance out of him because again I found him really believable he wasn't over the top he had some goofiness to him but that fit the character I mean you know this there was a very Nick Cage moment when they're eating their sandwiches when they stop like halfway through the drilling I think you guys probably remember what I'm talking about but he takes a bite out of the sandwich and then he makes a weird sound and it sounded like this 
and he does that a couple of times. That's a very Nick Cage moment, right? Because it, it's like, what is he doing? And then he just sort of like, oh, they changed it. I approve and moves on like it's nothing. Um, but there wasn't a ton of that. There wasn't that in every other scene. There was only one scene where he yelled, um, where he went, you know, kind of Nick Cage freak out. And even that, that was earned at that point. Like yeah. that freak out, he, I, I 100% believed that that's how that guy would have reacted in that moment. Yeah, he, he had snapped at that point. So, Which, you know. So getting the payday, we need this to happen now. Yeah. And look, I like. I like Nick Cage, and I think when he is on his game, he's great. And he was on his game in this, in my opinion. I think this was a good performance by him. Uh, and Elijah Wood, I've liked him in just about everything I've seen him in. Um, he, to me, even though he always looks young, he plays in this, he plays kind of just, I don't care. And, and in fact, he even has a line in the movie, and it sounds like this. But only because when it comes to you and me, I truly... and. I mean this sincerely. I truly have nothing better to do, and I despise my job. Like that's believable. I can, I, I know people that are like that, and so I liked him in this. I thought he was fine. I thought he was great. I, I believed that you know he, when he had his moments of uh, questioning what they were doing and what was going on, totally believable. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, there's not many other performances to really talk about. It's really those two, and I thought that they had a decent chemistry. Um, as you know, people who were friends or friendly anyway, um, work acquaintances. Yeah. I mean, it's the work acquaintance. Apparently they get they along. Have an unspoken plan. Yeah. I don't, it's, it's interesting, but I, I think that those two did a good job playing off of each other. Um, I think with maybe some more, uh, some, some more writing experience in trying to do this kind of black comedy style where it's a very serious movie with some comedic elements thrown in to kind of break the tension, but it's really heavy subject matter. It's really kind of depressing. I think a little more experience in that makes for a better movie. I think that's why like Martin McDonough who wrote and directed in Bruges and he also did uh, seven psychopaths and I think that was him um, and three billboards uh, outside of wherever the one that was up for a bunch of Oscars like two years ago. He seems to, have a really good grasp of how to balance that heavy, heavy subject matter with the comedy to where you get a good black comedy. I think this just didn't quite get to that that level. It was sort of a, you know, I'm going to give this script like a, a C plus. Like it's good, it's it's passable, but it could have been better. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it, and the the comedy bits just felt off. Yeah, the, you know. Oh, just kidding. Here are the keys. Yeah, that that one seemed a little bit strange to me. But, you know, like the breath freshener miss, that was, I kind of chuckled at that one. Well, there was that one. There was the moment where uh, Elijah Wood is at the county clerk or the county county planner's office or whatever. And he's talking, you know, the when he reaches for the phone and then the lady says, you know, what are you doing? It's a suspicious manner. The, that exchange was well-timed and very funny. And it sounded like this. I'll give you $100. Okay. Like, that's funny. That made me laugh. Um, and it was supposed to. There were just, there were other moments that, the comedy didn't feel, I won't say it felt forced, it just didn't quite land the way I think that you would want it to. And black comedies typically aren't, you know, laugh out loud, funny type movies. They're not going to belly laugh at something in a black comedy, but it should still at least get a chuckle out of you. And, you know, I mean, the the nothing better to do line that I just played from Elijah Wood, that didn't really. Now this one did, and I think it's just because of his, uh, his delivery of it. It's when they're, so the whole scene in the, um, uh, whatever that restaurant was called, where they were 
where he you know he's dumping all the Tabasco on the lemon piece and all that. That was very black comedy. That was very that style, um, and I think it it actually worked fairly well. It's just that the rest of the movie didn't have that same feel to it. Um, but when when they're talking, and then Elijah Wood just kind of looks over and and says this. I think that guy's getting a hand job. He's still eating, <laughs> so it's hard to tell. Like that was funny because it's just he's not he's barely paying attention to what Nick Cage is telling him, and like that's that is uh, the type of tone that you expect, or I expect anyway, in a quote-unquote black comedy, right? That kind of, yep. you get a little non-sequitur like that, you get, you know, the, I truly have nothing better to do, you know, that kind of stuff. It's just that once they got to the apartment, I felt like they were making a different movie at that point. Yeah, I can agree with that. It, it seemed like they were just trying, okay, now we did that, we, we, we did the funny stuff, now we're, we're, we're in serious mode now, so now we're doing something completely. Yeah, and, 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 it sort of made that turn when Nick Cage shoots the guy for the gun, right? When he when he goes to buy the guns and he shoots the dude, that's where the movie really kind of took the turn and was no longer – they lost some of the comedic elements. I think in part, for me anyway, because suddenly I don't like this guy anymore. So now even when he's trying to be funny and charming, you know, and he's like, oh, I'm just kidding with you. And, oh, hey, by the way, I was thinking about this, you know, and, and, and whatnot. Like I'm not buying it anymore because I've just seen the guy flip – and shoot somebody in the head in cold blood. So now it's like, how do I, you know, how do I laugh at this person? Yeah, I mean, the the guy getting him shooting the the guy getting the guns. I just put it up to he's doing something nefarious, but he's also a cop, and he still likes to follow the rules of a cop. That's what I took out of it. I could be wrong. Well, I see. I, I can see what you're saying there. Um, but you know, a cop wouldn't just shoot somebody. Well, they shouldn't anyway. I guess um, I don't. I just. I didn't say. I didn't say who was a good cop. <laughs> Fair. No, I just. I think once that happened, I lost. Uh, I lost my ability to sympathize with him at all. So then the comedy elements that they did try didn't work, um, and the, so that's where the the kind of the tone feel shifted for me. Um, I think had they been able to keep, but you know, at the same time, they're trying to build some tension, and there really is no other antagonist in this movie. You know, because because they never tell us whose vault it is, and there's apparently nobody watching the vault at any time. There's no surveillance on it, so you don't have that as your antagonist. They had to create one somewhere else, and that's where you sort of turn Nicolas Cage's character into that. It was interesting. I thought it was kind of an interesting way to do it, and I think had he been, had there been an, uh, a, another antagonist prior to that like some kind of a drug dealer or some you know whoever's vault that is that's maybe starting to figure out what's going on with them and then you throw in this um this curveball of nick cage you know not being uh, a good guy that could be a lot more interesting to me than just the two of them but you know when you have a nine million dollar budget for a movie you don't have much for actors so um i guess i kind of get it because there was a lot of work they had to do just putting together like a room that they could drill and, and blow apart and all of that, which the improvised explosive I thought was kind of a neat touch. I don't know. Yeah. I, I kind of giggled at that. <laughs> you know, I would have, I would have thought that, you know, try to seal it and put some water down the hole too, because you know, path of least resistance, that's how you're going to get the most force and in, into the concrete. You seal it, you put it down there you put some water in there to add a little bit of resistance and pop goes the weasel. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's looking at it from a, a logical standpoint of, like, I understand how explosives work. Would, I guess, he should 
understand how they work a little bit better maybe, but what he was trying to do made sense. And it was, you know, that was a total audible. Like they had to make that up on the fly. So it's entirely possible that, you know, he wasn't thinking that part of it through, but I liked that scene. Um, again, that was another one of those kind of black comedy moments when he comes back in and he's just laying there and then all of a sudden he wakes up right where he was just messing with him that Mm -hmm. I think had I still liked Nick Cage at that point would have landed a lot better for me. Um, but you know, I again that they were trying to bring some more of that co- comedic element back into it, and it just for me it didn't land. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what you guys think. The the only thing that I found funny at all after they got to the apartment was the the drill pun, and that's just because it was a pun. I would have made that pun. Yeah, I think all of us would have made that pun. I just rolled my eyes. Well, so did as I. one is wont to do. But yeah, I I mean really that that was because you know there was nothing like the whole scene there could have been some stuff with the uh the security guard with the steve williams character um if it had been nick cage that went down to talk to him and wasn't you know immediately thinking about shooting him where you could have had some more comedy involved in that but it didn't quite they didn't go that direction so it didn't land that way i don't know i again i think with a little bit of seasoning this could have been uh, a great black comedy and a great film instead of it was good it was enjoyable um i definitely i would watch it again uh you know i don't necessarily have to do it anytime soon but uh, i would watch it again but it wasn't um it wasn't great so on a on a scale of our uh you know poor alphas in terms of uh our nicholas cage in this movie i this didn't go that far like this was nicholas cage dialed way down this was like a three on the poor Alva scale. Um, I was thinking closer to a two. Well, you know, I, because of some of like the, the goofy, um, you know, the sniffing sound or, uh, you know, when he's like, stay positive, dude, like stuff like that gives it that kind of that three for me anyway, but it it certainly, there there was some, it was like a, uh, a refined Nicholas cage, um, somewhat matured. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, this is him in 2015, probably when they filmed this. So, you know, this is would be what 25 years after something like um, Vampire's Kiss. So he's had a lot of time to to really work on. And we've said this all throughout this month. He can be a very good actor when he wants to be. Obviously, he's won an Academy Award, but he is capable of being a very good actor when he wants to. And I think he wanted to in this. I don't know what about it uh, appealed to him. Um, but it was definitely uh, a good, good performance out of Nick Cage, and that elevated what could have been a very mediocre film into something a lot better with the performance of Nick Cage and Elijah Wood. Um, so, where? Okay, I want to start with Charlie on this. Now that you've seen this and presumably a few other Nicolas Cage movies, where kind of would you let this fit in sort of the the pantheon of Nicolas Cage films that you've seen anyway? So, like, like where I would rate it in, in likability or just Nick Cage, Nick Cage? Well, let's do both. Let's start with likability as a film, and then let's go with the Nick Cage factor. Uh, likability, it, it's not my most hated Nicolas Cage film, So, but it's not my most liked. It's probably down near the bottom. Like, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's probably a 2. Okay. From just general likability. From Nick Cage... He he acted it very well, but he did not get your your standard Nick Cage crazy in this movie, which isn't necessarily it's not a bad thing, but 
for craziness, I'd probably put him at a four. Okay. All right. Uh, Christina, you're you now. Uh, what did you think of it as far as like an overall film in Nick, Nick Cage's repertoire and then sort of uh, as a, you know, Nick Cage experience? Well, I mean, it was an okay movie. I I didn't hate watching it. Um, I'd say it's mediocre, about, you know, five out of ten or a three out of five. Um, and it's not really an over-the-top uh, Nicolas Cage, so again, like a two out of five. Okay, all right. Now, Keith, how about you? Um, actually, it, it, it it's a little bit below, say, uh, Bringing Out the Dead. But it's better done than Con Air, and I love Con Air. Um, I, I actually enjoyed this movie. Um, it was quirk, there, you know, there was enough quirk that it w- that it was interesting, but not so much that it was full blown, you know, Nick Cage going off the rails. Um, he had a bit of dad comedy going on there, yeah. and uh, he, uh, you know, it, it was. I'm probably going to go back and watch this again at some point just because I'm going to want to go back and see if there was things that I missed. And it was, it's definitely got me wondering a few things and I want to go back and look at it again. It does. It it does. It's like a hidden gem really. Yeah. It does warn another viewing at some point. I think for me, I, I would say in the overall, as an overall film in Nick, in Nick Cage's, uh, you know, jacket of films, it's good. Um, I would give it kind of that somewhere between like a five and seven out of 10 um, as a Nick Cage experience. It's going to fit a little bit lower because it doesn't have the way over the top craziness of something like a vampire's kiss. It doesn't have the supporting cast, even as good as Elijah Wood was, he's only one actor. So it doesn't have your supporting cast help of something like a um, face off or con air for the action oriented stuff. I do think it's not, it doesn't quite live up to, you know, either bringing out the dead or matchstick men, um, which I think is a almost a better version of kind of what this movie wanted to be. Uh, and not the same type of movie, obviously, but but it um, what this movie, I think, aspired to be, you know, something like matchstick men, I think, is a better version of. And so I it's kind of that middle middle of the road above average. That's that C plus grade where it's not great. And it might not even be all that memorable in comparison to some of his other stuff, but it's good, and I would watch it again. And It definitely seemed like a movie where they needed somebody who could freak out, but they needed it in a, in a limited space, and they got Nicolas Cage to pull that off. Yeah, I mean, look, if it weren't for Nicolas Cage being in this, I don't think I would have seen this movie. I will straight up say that. like, He is the reason that I uh, gave this movie a chance, because... Just scrolling through Netflix and seeing a movie like The Trust and a tagline of "Bad cops make good, you know, make the best criminals" doesn't really move me all that much. But seeing that it's Nick Cage and Elijah Wood, you've got my attention. Let's check it out. So, you know, good on him for that, and I think that helped. And then I got I, I got a Nick Cage in this movie that I wasn't expecting because I've seen some of his more recent stuff, and it is kind of over the top. I was expecting a little bit more of that. I didn't get that, which is fine, because I think I got a, a really good performance. And in the end of the day, that's kind of what I want. I want something that's gonna uh, gonna make me want to watch it a second time. And uh, un- I said that about The Wicker Man last week that I would actually like to watch it again because of our conversation. Um, I would watch this one first uh, a second time before I watch The Wicker Man again. Okay. Again, I was just rating on a scale of Nick Cageiness and oh, yeah. and Nick Cage movies specifically, not as a movie in general. I do agree with you that this is a 
it's a decent movie. I mean, it's worth a watch. It's not going to, like, you're not going to want to claw your eyes out when you're done with it. But it's not, like, it's it's not something that you want to watch all the time. It's 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 no Indiana Jones. Let's just put it that. Way. Well, no, and and you know it's the type of movie where it's not really meant to be a fun. Like Indiana Jones is fun, and it makes you want to watch it another time. Uh, you know, a good horror movie like Alien makes you want to rewatch it because the the suspense and the feeling of it and how well they ratchet the tension. This is good, but it's dark subject matter. It's it's heavier subject matter, so it's not that you know. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch that. Like, you know, I keep mentioning In Bruges because it's such a good movie. And if you haven't seen that before, really, really take the time to check that one out because it is my, by far my favorite performance by Colin Farrell. Um, even that movie, as much as I like that, I can't watch it all the time because it it's hard to watch in parts. And this had a little bit of that. So there were moments in this movie that were hard to watch. I was never bored, which can happen. Like I got a little bit bored in parts of uh, of Wicker Man if I'm honest, that I didn't get bored during this. There were parts that were just harder to watch. Like, you didn't quite know what was he going to do with the people in the bedroom. What was he going to do when he walked in and sat down with the girl when she was chained up in the bathroom? Like, So it was a little bit tougher to watch in parts because of that. But it was also compelling. And uh, I definitely, as a film, enjoyed it. You're, Charlie, you're 100% right, though, and as a Nick Caginess uh, of this film was was dialed way down. Um, which was to this film's credit, but it doesn't have that same explosion of Nick Cage craziness. Right. Yeah, I mean, the best you get is, you know, this. Like, him yelling that. It's not quite like, uh, you know, what, how did it get burned? How did it get burned? From from uh, some of his other stuff. Like, Which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I, I did, I like this movie. Uh, I do recommend it, especially if you're into... Um, Kind of the the black comedy, the darker uh, darker comedies like that. Uh, I do think it's worth a watch. Um, again, though, I do think it could have been done better. It does kind of feel like they let him know we do have a scene where we need you to freak out a little bit, and that let him, you know, kind of focus on more on what the other stuff that he was doing throughout the movie, and well, not having to try to sneak in the the freak out. Yeah, although it I'm... seems like a Nick Cage thing to do. No, I'm pretty sure that's in his writer. Like, there, there is yeah. a scene, uh, definitely in this movie where I'm gonna have to, uh, I'm gonna have to freak out at some point. Um, so, like, and, I, I kind of wonder how they got away with Con Air without that, because he never really did a, a full freak out. No, he didn't. Um, but you know, there was enough freak outs from John Malkovich to kind of make up for it. So, you know, he yeah, was, and that's a whole nother brand of freaking out, right there. True, it was. Um, no, I think. I I think that in a way you're probably right in that he in reading the script kind of knew where he could put that that type of energy in and you know the rest of it is just him going to be you know I it's got to be um it's got to be done uh with a with a more deft hand like I mean even the way he said something like and it's da Vinci-esque like that's very subdued for him you know it's not him freaking out um What's that right there? Oh, a bee flew in my face. <laughs> that that was funny. Like that, that was believable. Like you know, it was a nice little. Yeah, I believable. I believable. I think is a perfect word uh, for what this was. The, the I would say that I found the performances believable. Um, some of the twists that it took, like the way that he suddenly starts showing how dark he's gone, 
um, maybe not as believable, believable in a film and believable in this universe, maybe not for, you know, like your average person, but it was a believable performance uh, as opposed to a cartoonish performance, which Nick Cage is very good at doing cartoony. Um, This felt you're right there. Yeah, it felt like a real person as opposed to, you know, his uh, his Johnny Blaze um, or, you know. Uh, is uh, Caster Troy. Like, those don't feel like people. They feel like cartoon characters. This felt it like seems a person. Like one of those, it seems like one of those real people that you know who kind of feel like a cartoon character a little bit. Well, yeah, he's quirky. I mean, you know, this. It's that little wheeze. I don't know. that. Like, that was the first Nick Cage-esque moment that I felt in this. And then, of course, he has his, you know, open it, freak out. Um, but outside of that, just very believable as just a person instead of a caricature. Uh, so I look, I liked it. I recommend it. Um, is it a, uh, Nick Cage experience? No. If you want that, go seek out Vampire's Kiss. Um, you know, well, you know, if, if you're trying to ease your way in, if you've never seen Nicolas Cage before, this might be a good starting point because it gives you just a taste of what you're looking for, you know, instead of going for the whole thing and just getting your hair blown straight off your head with what, what? Well, there you go. So that's going a, on here. there's a good question that I want to go around the table and ask. So I'll start with Christina. If you were going to uh, introduce somebody to Nicolas Cage in film, um, where would you start? And uh, then maybe give me like one or two follow-ups as to sort of how you would go about that. Because we've now done a pretty good, uh, breadth of his career from the late 80s to the you know mid 20 teens now and a lot of different styles of film that we've covered just in this last month but where where would you start out Nicolas Cage honestly I because I like it the most of all of his movies I would probably start with Con Air then probably National Treasure okay okay that's a really good choice actually um and then leading into Ghost Rider and Hunter, uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice, etc. Okay, yeah. So you're you're easing people into the crazy that is Nick Cage. I like it. Uh, Keith, how about you? You you, would, you had mentioned this might be a good starting point, but where what would be your choice as like the uh, Nick Cage primer? Um, either this one or Con Air. You know, watch one and, and then the other, and you know, finishing up. You know, do one of those two, then do Vampire's Kiss, and then I think a good. Uh, a good culmination to like a, a three or four movie thing would be uh, um, bringing out the dead because I really think that he nails that one. Okay. All right. I like that. How about you, Charlie? Uh, I, I'd have to start. I have to agree with Christina. I'd, I'd start with uh, not Con Air, but uh, National Treasure. He, he's, he's very good in that. He's a little goofy. He's a little crazy, but he doesn't go insane Nick Cage. But you get, you get that taste. And then you can go to Con Air to get some more of his good acting. And then you go, okay, now we've opened the door. Let's show you how, how deep the rabbit hole goes. And you go and you grab one or two of his crazier films and go, you see, this is the breadth of the actor. Okay, I like that. I, I think if I were going to start people out, I might start them out with um, The Rock, actually. Um, because I think... When I look at or either The Rock or National Treasure are going to be my entry uh, into the Nick Cage verse because both of those, um, he doesn't go completely crazy, but he has moments of it. There's a couple of moments in The Rock where he kind of you know starts to do that a little bit, but he dials it back. Same thing with the National Treasure movies, but they're good accessible movies, right? Because they're, 
They're kind of just dumb action movies that you can just jump into, get started, and there you go. You're right in that you want to see how far down the rabbit hole you can go. So after you've watched, say, we'll, we'll go with The Rock because it's the one that nobody else has mentioned. Then you can move into um, something like a uh, Leaving Las Vegas or Bringing Out the Dead where you can really see how good he can be, right? You can see an Oscar-winning performance. You can see something that's just... Uh, in, or Lord of War would be another one. Um, so you can really... So now you've, you've gotten an introduction to Nick Cage. And now you're getting uh, a good look at how good he can be in a movie. And then we're going to go have some fun and throw in Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance or Vampire's Kiss and just say, we're turning the cage factor up to 12. And you you are not prepared for what you're about to see. Wild at Heart. Wild at Heart would be another one. Oh, man, I almost forgot about that. So I, I like the idea of, of giving the, the easy intro, then showing the, the extreme of Nick Cage at his most. And then showing the good stuff. See, I almost, I want to, I would because, want. Because it, it seems, it seems more natural. Like you see the, you see the low, you know, it's your nice, easy end. Then you have your bad trip and then you start to have your good trips. You yeah, know? I can, I can see what you're saying there. I just think I would want, almost want to show somebody something really, really good by the actor. And then, okay, now we're going to go crazy. Like, you know, if I'm going to, um, Christian Bale would be a good, uh, good one for that. Where like, because of how method he gets into stuff you can you can show some of his better i guess not even christian bale but like leo dicaprio would be one where you well, can I don't know. american psycho is a lot di- more different than you know that that's definitely him coming off the rails a bit. yeah you know, a little he has, bit he does go a little bit nick cage in that movie true i don't know i just think i i think if it were me that's that's my opinion i i would i would start somebody off with something accessible then i would move them into the really good work that the guy has done or the actor or actress or director has done. And now we're going to show you what they can do when they're just allowed to go crazy. Right. So like, like what was that movie where Christian Bale lost all that weight? Oh, that was the machinist. Okay. Where he got down to like 130 pounds or something crazy. And Um, then beat him. He got into really great shape, lost everything for that movie and then beat himself right back into great shape. Yeah. Like in probably an unhealthy manner. Oh yeah. Like somebody's, Okay, so we, we've talked a little bit about uh, Nick Cage. I, I am curious if, uh, you know, with Elijah Wood, I mean, outside of the Lord of the Rings films, um, just because they're a very different style of film and a, and a very different style of acting, I, I think, that are done in those, um, where, would you, where would you kind of put uh, this as far as an Elijah Wood um, performance? I would put it between Lord of the Rings and Sin City. Okay, it's Sin City was one I, I kept thinking of just because I, I, he, he for me was so memorable in that. Given even though he barely, I don't think he speaks at all. He doesn't. He does not. Um, but he just because of that, you know, kind of baby face that he's got. He was so creepy in that. I think in part because he didn't speak. But I don't know. I liked him in well, this. Even Marv even remarks how he never says a word during any of it. Never makes a peep. Yeah, oh, that's another one we gotta gotta watch again sometime. Um, no, I, I think, you know, obviously this movie was carried by two people, and they both did a really good job, and uh, that's great. So, um, well, look, uh, that's going to kind of wrap up the discussion of this movie. Um, I I liked it. Uh, it sounds like the three of you would all, um, all recommend it as well, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's worth a watch. Okay. Uh, I, well, I believe that I'm going to try and convince my girlfriend to watch this movie. Well, there you go. So. It's, a, it's a good date night movie. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, no, I want to thank you guys for joining me tonight. So, um, we do this every week. Um, we record on Sundays. We put new episodes out, usually Sundays, but we put new episodes out on Wednesdays. Um, every Wednesday, uh, we're wrap, we have now wrapped up Nicholas Cage month. It was a wonderful celebration, um, of Nicholas Cage and everything that he is. We'll be coming back to this, uh, this well at some point because, well, you know what? It's, there's a lot. Uh, we we scratched is. we barely scratched the surface of what Nick Cage is capable of, um, so we'll definitely be coming back and doing some more Nick Cage movies down the line. Um, but if you enjoy this uh, and you enjoy hearing us talk about movies, go to uh, tvstravis.com/slash/subscribe. Get subscribed to the show; you never miss an episode. Um, go on there if you can find us on um, iTunes and Google Podcasts and uh, stuff like that. Get on there, give us a review. Um, because good reviews help make us more visible. So, um, and uh, also, um, next week we are going to be doing for episode number 26, Die Hard. Because I found somebody who's never seen the first Die Hard before. Ooh. What? And that somebody is not David. Audible this gas. First. I know. I know. So, we're going to have a special guest next week. Uh, Alex Elbisu will be joining us to talk about Die Hard. Um, and uh, I can't wait for that one because I love that movie and uh, I will watch that movie as many times as I need to. So I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be next week on the show. Um, coming up also soon, we're going to be, uh, I know Hackers is in the list um, and Watchmen as well um, coming up. I love that movie. So uh, yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, definitely check back, get uh, get subscribed, enjoy the show. Um, in the meantime... We, uh, I want to uh, go around and thank everybody for being here. So thank you, Charlie, for joining. Glad to be here. And uh, thank you, Christina. Thank you for having me, and remember to open it. <laughs> yes. And also, thank you, Keith. Always a pleasure. Yes. Um, until next time, enjoy your movies. I did it. <laughs>